And it was this, this consistent lack of uh, feeling of empowerment that just really got to me. And, and knowing in the work that we're doing, knowing that if individual employees don't feel like they can impact change, then we're not going to create and nurture those cultures that we want to see throughout the organization. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the All Inclusive Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Celeste Warren, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Merck and author of the book, How to Be a Diversity and Inclusion Ambassador, everyone's role in helping all feel accepted, engaged and valued. During the episode, we discuss Celeste's new book and three-part model to being a diversity and inclusion ambassador. We also talk about effective ways to handle those tough conversations as a leader and how to stay motivated and positive in challenging times. As always, before jumping into the video, make sure to hit the subscribe button, turn on your notification bell and follow on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. That being said, let's jump in. Hi, Celeste. Hello. Thank you for the invitation, Natasha. Oh no, I'm so I'm so happy for you to join me today. I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, so why not let's just kick a few things off. Tell our listeners a little bit about you and your journey to where you are today. Well, the name is Celeste Warren and I lead Merck's Global Diversity and Inclusion Center of Excellence. And I'm also the proud author of a new book uh, that's come out uh, in the uh, fall of last year. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but just um, um, this has been a winding road for me to get to where I am today. Um, uh, when I started working, I was actually a reporter. I went to school and, and majored in telecommunications and uh, minored in political science. And um, so I did that for a little while, not that long. And, and um, got tired of writing home and asking my parents for rent money and eating ramen noodles and <laughs> so didn't make a lot of money in that so um so i decided to go back to graduate school and um went to carnegie mellon university in in pittsburgh pennsylvania in the states and um the guidance council there talked me into uh human resources management and and I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And she said, oh, no. And she talked to me about the different um, disciplines that are within human resources, organizational design, benefits, compensation, talent management, talent acquisition, et cetera. And so um, I did an internship and uh, just loved it. And so started working at Kraft General Foods and always had um, took with me uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in, integrated in every role that I had. So every role that I had as a business partner, I was looking at it through a lens of diversity and inclusion. How do we make sure that we have a more diverse workforce? How do we make sure that we have a more inclusive work environment? And so fast forward, um, was working with Kraft General Foods. I was there for about nine years, um, worked in um, different places, different sites. And then uh, Headhunter came calling and said, you know, hey, Merck has some, they're expanding their HR organization in the United States. Would you be interested? And I thought, eh, I'll try this pharmaceutical thing for a little bit and do that for a couple of years and then go do IT and technology and just, you know, different industries <laughs> as our skills are transferable. 
and got into Merck. And uh, here it is. This is my 26th year. 26 years later, here I am still here. And it's been a, a great journey. I've been in the role as the company's chief diversity and inclusion officer. This is my ninth year. And I did that initially in a hybrid role. So I had the head of HR for our manufacturing division and was the, the chief diversity officer. And um, that uh, was something that it just was not sustainable. And so um, um, I was able to just cleave off the business partner part and really focus on diversity and inclusion. That was 2019. And so it's sole, sole role since then. And it's been quite a, quite a journey, just from the standpoint of where the organization has come in these nine years, and then where I've come also, my personal journey as well. Yeah, oh my gosh, that sounds fantastic. Oh, I love that, like 26 years in the industry, nine of those with work as a diversity and inclusion officer, like frontlining, head of kind of so many programs, initiatives to really bring a better working experience for, for all really mm -hmm. and I'm I'm intrigued that so I mean I guess the probably it it makes sense for you to then write a book <laughs> focusing on diversity inclusion with all of that experience yep. but what inspired you because there's, there's a lot to cover in diversity inclusion but I'm interested to hear from you what inspired you to write a book on being a diversity and inclusion ambassador well it it stemmed from um when I was out and about speaking at different conferences and and even internally as well, but externally and internally, I would be talking to, um, you know, audiences. And after I would be done speaking, it always, every single time, there was at least one person that would come up to me afterwards and say, you know, Celeste, you know, I'm not like you. I'm not a chief diversity officer. I'm not in the C-suite. I'm not a you know a senior leader. I'm not even a people manager. I'm just an employee who's an individual contributor. I don't manage people. I just what you said was great, but I just don't feel like I have the ability to make change in my you know my department, my organization. How can I do that? And it was this this consistent lack of uh, feeling of empowerment that just really got to me. And and knowing in the work that we're doing knowing that if individual employees don't feel like they can impact change then we're not going to create and nurture those cultures that we want to see throughout the organization because in every organization about 30 percent of your workforce are leaders and managers the other 70 percent are employees who are individual contributors they don't manage and lead people and so we need the power of that 70% to understand the role that they can play to create a more diverse and inclusive workforce. And so that's kind of what um, the genesis of the idea for the book, how that came about. And, and that's why, you know, I, I just wanted everyone to understand that you all have a role to making, you know, everyone feel engaged and accepted and valued. Yeah, no, totally. And for me, I'm I'm so glad that you wrote this book because it really resonated with myself because I've had the experiences of not feeling included and, and feeling like the only one. And whilst in those experiences, I they weren't great. And I knew that 
that I wish things could be different at the time I felt like they there wasn't anything that could be done but more importantly I felt like there wasn't anything that I could really do mm-hmm. um and when I got to the point where I wanted to do more I struggled with with kind of working out what more could I do and how can I be this ambassador and I really was loving your book because it give it gave a, a clear a clear steer in terms of what an actionable things that I can actually do and that as you said I love the word you felt empowered and I definitely felt empowered that I could definitely do something no matter where I sit within a particular organization and as an individual um and so what how do you how would you define a, a diversity and inclusion ambassador well someone that's a diversity inclusion ambassador they first of all they understand you know what it is to have a diverse workforce they understand what it is to have an inclusive workforce and they're they're not just appealing to someone's um passion for it because they have to have a passion for it that's very important but they also have to be a practitioner they also have to be um sort of an i I like the word ambassador because you have to promote diversity and inclusion Um, in your environment. You have to be an advocate for it. You have to be able to meet people where they are and help them to understand the importance of it. So it involves a sort of a someone not just passively understanding about it and talking about it in certain certain circles with like-minded people, but it involves being a promoter of it, being an advocate of it, and being able to have those conversations in all different forums with people who who think the way you do and mo- most importantly for those that don't think the way that you do so so you can have that 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 courageous conversation and dialogue mm, yeah and in your book you do um talk about a three-part model mm-hmm. in order to 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 be a, an ambassador which I, I would love to learn a little bit more and if we could just discuss that a little bit more on on what this three-part model is what does that actually look like Oh, absolutely. And, and I tried to make it as pragmatic as possible. But first is everyone has to do uh, a self self-reflection. So in other words, you know, you need to understand your skills, your capabilities, your biases, very importantly, because if you're going to be a diversity ambassador, you have to have that that area of self-reflection. You have to understand what is it that is going to get in the way of my being able to have the conversation with a colleague so I can have it freely and unencumbered by my own personal biases. So you have to, you have to do that personal inventory, that personal assessment. And you can do that easily. You know, you can go online and take all different types of, of uh, assessments, but also very easily you can find that person or two persons who are trusted colleagues who you trust that are going to be very candid with you and take, take them out to coffee or, tea or or lunch or whatever and have that conversation and say, how am I showing up in meetings or, you know, when we're talking or in different forums, how am I showing up as a diversity uh, leader or ambassador? And they'll tell you the unadulterated truth as to how you are showing up. Do you help people? Do you make sure that everyone is included in the conversation? Are you an active listener and facilitator? Um, in in conversations? Are you paying attention to who's not talking and giving them an invitation to join the conversation and speak up? Um, So that's the first thing. Very importantly, you have to be in touch with you 
yourself and your biases and skills and capabilities. The second thing, you, you need to look around you. Look at your department, look at your company, look at your organization and, and, try, and, and try to say, okay, what are some of the barriers and obstacles that are getting in the way from this being a more inclusive environment? You know, look at your, um, your, your company's website, for example, and look at the images, look at the photos. Are those photos of people that look diverse or do they all look the same? Um, you can walk around your organization looking at, um, you know, going into the cafeteria, you know, and, and in this hybrid work environment, people are, you know, coming back into the workplace and look at the cafeteria and say, is it diverse? You know, does it have a diverse set of, of individuals who were there? Um, look at your employee handbooks. Those are usually online and look at different policies. Does your company have a workplace flexibility policy? For example, does it have a, harassment and discrimination policy, anti-bullying policy, a transgender policy. Um, you know, look at, look at some of those policies that may or may not exist in, in your workplace. So those are just some examples of some things that you can do to create an inventory of what's getting in the way of there being a, a more uh, in, inclusive work, workforce. And then the last thing, ideas and assessments, they're all good and they're not good though if you don't take action. And so the third thing is to take action. Do something. I'm always, uh, I always tell the, tell the joke about how colleagues of mine will say, oh my God, Celeste, you're talking about boiling the ocean. That's too much. People are going to get overwhelmed. And I say, no, no, no. I don't want you to boil the entire ocean. I want you to boil one or two people next to you. Because everybody can do that, then after a while, the whole environment will, you know, will, will have boiled the ocean if everybody can just touch one or two people, um, it, colleagues that are next to them. So taking action is really, really important um, because that's what's going to create that environment that we all want to see. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And I think it, what I like about your three-part model is that it can really be, I could see it being applied throughout through to everyone to various people at different levels of of an organization where they sit so not just senior leaders c-suites but but as you said people that are managing people and even if you don't if you're not somebody that manages someone you can still kind of self-reflect you can still look at what those barriers are you can still take action um so i i, I love it <laughs> <laughs> I'm a total fan. So that is what, very confirming. Thank you, Natasha. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, because it's definitely something that I I, I applied it um, from reading your book. I've, I definitely applied doing that three part model to myself in in starting the podcast, um, and within the organisation that I sit in before I'd even actually started the podcast. It's definitely steps that I took, um, and I'm so much more better for it. And I feel more comfort comfortable with where I am, who I am, and to say that. I feel confident that I can say that I am um, or that I'm striving to be a, a better ambassador for diversity and inclusion. And, and I know, and I've got a clear path as to how I can get there and how I can be better. Um, and, and that's thanks to you. So <laughs> we're going to take a minute to thank our friends at Dandy, the DEI analytics company for supporting the show to drive real change today. DEI leaders need to be strategic and they need to be data driven. That's why today's most successful DI leaders use Dandy 
to measure and manage their DEI programs in real time, track key DEI metrics, and create reports at a push of a button. Are you ready to join the DEI measurement movement? Click the link in the description below to download your free essential guide to data-driven DEI transformation. Throughout your experience and, and, and through writing this book, what have you seen to be kind of the common misunderstandings or, or challenges that, that you've kind of encountered while promoting diversity and inclusion? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge in today's world is um, everyone is not in the same place. And so there's a, a, a population of employee of people who um, they've lived a life of privilege and they don't understand how inequities manifest themselves uh, in others who aren't as advantaged as they are. And so I use the analogy about the three people that are that that, that cartoon, the three people that are standing on one stone in the first illustration and they're trying to look over the fence and the person all the way to the right with that one stone still can't see over the fence. Same with the, the person in the middle, but the person on the left, they can see over clearly. Then you go to the second illustration where we've given the person on the right three rocks, the person in the middle two, the person on the left still has the one. So now they can still, they can all see over the fence. And what what's happening now, those, I call those rocks acts of equity, um, women's leadership programs, the things that we do to make sure that we're sourcing diverse candidates into the organization, as an example, those things are called acts of equity. And what we're trying to do simultaneously is trying to tear that fence down. And that fence represents all the systemic issues, the isms, racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, all those different things that are more institutionalized that we have to, it takes longer to get to, to knock that fence down. And the person on the left that was standing on one stone um, in the first illustration and standing on one in the second, in this day and age, they're looking to their right and they're saying, well, how come that person has three rocks and that person has two rocks and I have one? Because they don't know that the fence is there because they've always been able to see over it. They don't understand that the person on the right, even with the one rock, couldn't see over the fence. And so they're asking that question and, and where we are today, those acts of equity are causing a little bit of disruption in the organizations. And so what we have to do, what I find myself doing and other diversity ambassadors is having that conversation with that individual that's standing on one rock and saying, helping them to understand that the fence is there, first of all, those isms exist, and helping them to understand why the person to the right needs three rocks and why the person in the middle needs two rocks and helping them to understand what that fence, how that manifests itself, those acts of inequity, how it uh, manifests itself to them, helping them to understand that. So there's an education part of it that's that's an awareness. And then moving forward is how do we make them active allies? So they are joining in the work and becoming ambassadors themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we're not gonna get everybody. There's gonna be that small percentage that just basically, you know, they just, they're, they're not there. But for the most part, we have to have those conversations. And at times they can be uncomfortable, but that's okay. They start out uncomfortable, but then we get to a point where we either can agree to disagree 
or we can um, bring everybody to where the fence is not needed. The fence is torn down, the stones and the rocks are not needed and everybody can see the mountains ahead. That's mm -hmm. what we're striving to, but we're not there yet. So we have, we're in that uncomfortable middle illustration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, but there is, I feel like there's light at the tunnel, there has to be. Yes. Um, and individuals like yourself are, are definitely leading the way and, and giving us the tools to be able to get there, I think. And and I, I really have faith that we will. Um, what I was interested in what, what you said is that those difficult conversations um, need to happen, which they can then turn into education and potentially changing someone into an ally. Um, mm -hmm. What would you say is an effective way to approach those difficult conversations with someone? I think the way that I approach it, and I've had some challenging ones where, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having this conversation in 2023, right? Um, but you have to first calm yourself <laughs> because yeah. it's all about um, creating an environment of psychological safety where you can have the dialogue, where they can voice kind of what they're thinking what they're feeling and, and how it's impacting them. You have to have, be able to create that environment around them where it's safe to talk, where it's safe to speak their mind and, and they won't feel that they're gonna get canceled or anything like that, especially when, when we're one-on-one -on -one, um, and, and having that conversation because I want them to feel comfortable to say what's on their mind. And that way I know where they are, I know what they're thinking and I can have the conversation to kind of bring them forward and help them to understand different points of view. And as I said, how inequities manifest themselves to other people and, and try to get them to understand it and at least have an empathy for it. Um, and as I said, there's some people that you're just not going to because of it's just so close to their, you know, how they were brought up. And you have to be very careful because, you know, you're talking about um, talking to them about uh, beliefs and values that they um, that they got as they were growing up when talk, listening to mom talk about it or dad talk about it or auntie or or grandparents and and so you have to really walk that tightrope to help them to understand it and another thing that I do is I try not to personalize it to the effect of I try to say you know this is what the companies values and standards are around diversity, equity and inclusion, integrity and ethics. And so if you don't believe in or you don't have the same values that the company has, then maybe you should choose another company. But let me help you to understand the values and standards that the company has around diversity, equity and inclusion so you understand it and what that looks like. So I try to take it from out of a personal standpoint and, and help them to understand this is what the company values. And if you're going to be, a, a, if you aspire to be a leader or et cetera, a, 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 as a part of this company, then you need to understand that this is something important. I guess that coming from that perspective, sometimes when you kind of depersonalize it a little bit, allows mm -hmm. that individual and for you to really evaluate for themselves, is this something that I'm willing to take on board and make some 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 changes mm -hmm. in the way that I'm I'm operating or actually no I'm not and then this isn't for you because at least it's easier then okay if, if you know that you're you're not willing to change 
and it doesn't sit well with you, that's fine. You know where to go with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there isn't kind of a constant battle over and over again. Kind of the 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 line is 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 somewhat drawn in terms of this is this is where we're going. This is the direction that we're going in. So either you wish to follow us in this direction, or or actually maybe it's just not the path for you. Mm-hmm. Which we have is the path for them because. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the ways that's very important in working with my colleagues in, in the talent organization, talent acquisition, talent management, looking at leadership behaviors and et cetera, but embedding those behaviors um, that we want to see in leaders and managers and employees, embedding them into the people, practices, policies, procedures, um, and evaluation, so performance management and setting priorities, all of that, embedding it into those processes and systems so you can really make sure that they understand that, you know, not only is this part of the company's foundation of, of our values, but it's embedded into our leadership behaviors. It's what expected of leaders and managers and behaviors of employees. So, you know, it's real, that's why it's really important. I do a lot of work with my colleagues and making sure that it's integrated into those various different um, programs, po- policies, procedures, leadership behaviors, assessments, everything. So that so they they can't run away from it and hide. Mm, yeah, no, definitely, and it it shouldn't be too much of a surprise in having these sorts of conversations. Do you know? So, I mean, how do you how do you stay motivated when you are when you're experiencing some 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 downturn some some challenging times and and that's not only within an organization but unfortunately in in society and especially with recent events that have occurred as well um how do you keep positive yeah you know it, it's uh it, it you have your good days and you have your bad days you've heard that phrase well it, on, in this space it's it goes hour to hour <laughs> but um you really you know you, in my role, first of all, I, uh, I'm a woman of faith, so that's really important, core and centric to me. Um, and then also, too, knowing that I am um, fighting this battle not just for myself, but for you know countless others who haven't felt empowered yet to be able to elevate their voice. And I know there are many who just they still haven't felt that way that they can do it yet. Um, they know they they should and they believe in it, but they just haven't felt empowered to be able to, to to do it. And so I know that I'm speaking for them. And I know that when I have those bad days, when I have those those uh, those times when I feel like, oh, you know, I could just I just want to give up. That I I think of them and I think of the fact that it's really, really important. Um, and and you, you, when you're in different forums, people they're counting on you to be their um, their advocate, their ambassador, their hero, their shero. And that's a lot to put on folks um, that are leading these diversity inclusion efforts. I, and I realize that, but it's a lot of responsibility, but I don't take it lightly. And it's very, very important because of the, the different people. So, you know, there's a lot of things I do. I have my personal board of directors, you know, people that I go to that lift me up as well. And either within the organization or outside of the organization, other people that are chief diversity inclusion officers, I can reach out to. They're going to the same thing and we lift each other up as well. So I think that's really, really important to have colleagues that you can talk to uh, so you can you know, talk through different things. And if you're feeling down, 
um, to bring yourself back up. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I think having a community is, is, is really the way forward and can be really impactful. Um, when you're feeling low, um, having to just be able to call somebody and you know that they're going to be able to turn it around for you. And it doesn't even need to be too much that I know my sister's one person that I kind of sometimes mm-hmm. call and she, she doesn't even need to say very much. <laughs> she That's could exactly be talking it. about her own day and then she starts commenting other things. And I'm like, actually, you know what? She's just made me laugh. I feel so much better. Um, so yeah, I, I totally can understand that. Thank you so much for, for this great conversation, Celeste, and the great advice that you've given. Um, for all those listening, make sure you get out there and purchase Celeste's book. It's amazing. How to be a diversity and inclusion ambassador, everyone's role in helping all feel accepted, engaged and valued. I'm going to leave a link down below for you to be able to access that that book from her. Um, And Celeste, how else can people connect with you? Um, I have a website, crwdiversity.com. You can reach me there. Um, I keep it updated as far as different things that I'm doing and, you know, different different events I have. And you can learn a little bit more about me as well. And also on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. (laughs) Yeah, no, don't forget the socials. (laughs) It's the easiest way to get in touch with people, I think, these days. Um, So I'll definitely link all of those um, social media links and your website down below on the episode. And once again, Celeste, thank you so much for for speaking with me today and sharing your insights and your journey with our listeners. Um, And I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you, Natasha, for the invitation. I so, so much appreciate it.